So thank you for joining us today. We are continuing this series on the subject of prayer. Um, for those of you in the factory, we'll do an, another session, as I said earlier, on Acts by the weekend, by Saturday afternoon. That one will be up live. We'll be going into Acts chapter 7 and in Acts chapter 8, uh, at least the beginning of 8. It's going to be really, really, um, really good. I just know it's going to challenge and encourage you. We're doing the series on prayer right now and um, calling this three uh, truths or simple truths about prayer. I think that's what I called it. Anyway, I, I forget sometimes right after I say something, what I just previously said, it's a spiritual gift that I have as well as clumsiness, you know, spilling coffee and stuff like that. So these are three simple truths about prayer, three of them. They're real simple. And I, I want to talk about prayer because uh, especially, listen, I'm, I'm pastoring now. And so I know for my congregation, for our church family, I want to see them grow and their relationship with God and their walk with God. And how can we really talk about progressing in our walk with God and we don't talk about prayer? It's a true saying that there are a lot of people today who know a lot about God, but but they don't really know Him. There's a lot of us across the platform that we're very confident and you know, the various aspects about God that we know or the way that we worship Him in our churches, whether it's, you know, Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox, it really doesn't matter. But it's it's amazing to me that God has opened up this door and this avenue for us to have fellowship with Him, to know Him, to walk with Him, to commune with Him, and yet we don't. And in our day that we live in right now, where things are so fast-paced, um, you know, even more so, we need to learn how to pray or to grow in the area of prayer. Uh, probably next week, I'm going to do um, a teaching on some things that can really hinder your prayer life. And it'll be real practical. And I, I promise you, I'll hit on a few things that everybody, you know, you want to be guard uh, to guard against so you can grow in the area of prayer. In, in Luke chapter 11, of course, it says that, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I love this because the disciples never said, Lord, teach us how to raise the dead, teach us how to cast out devils, teach us how, you know, the great mysteries of the heavenly realm. And they did, we don't know what all they may have asked him, but I think it's fascinating that right here we have it recorded in scripture. He wanted us to know that his disciples, those closest to him, those that walked with him, that did ministry with him, that they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they said it right after he had prayed. Another thing is, I'm going to throw this in as just a like um, a free, like an appetizer. It says, as he was praying in a certain place, and I love this, that Jesus had places that he prayed. He'd pray on the mountain. You know, we saw that he prayed in a garden. He would withdraw alone and pray, but he had a certain place. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to have a place that that you you pray. And, and one place, you know, there could be, like we talk about the prayer closet, you know, you could have a certain room that you pray in a place in your backyard. Another place of prayer is when people walk, you know, and I know people that have had their prayer lives revolutionized by just walking. They would start walking in the morning, and as they're walking, they just begin to pray in fellowship with the Lord. So, but here they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's my heart. And I shared that last week when, you know, I talked about being a new believer and really wanting to know how to pray and how to seek God and how to walk with God. Listen, I don't know about you, but I I want to I want to be stronger for the Lord. I want to walk with more wisdom. I want to be able to, to to understand, you know, the 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 reality of the presence of God in my life. And how can we have that if we don't grow in the area of prayer? Prayer is one of these 
these these this incredible door of opportunity that God has given to us, to humanity, to mankind, to fellowship with Him. We are bound by these bodies. We are bound, you know, with this flesh, with the skin, and sometimes even our soul, you know, our mind, our will, and our emotions can provide so many limitations, and we've got hurts and distractions, and and yet God is a spirit being, and we are a spirit being too. The Bible says in First Thessalonians, was it five twenty three that He pray? Uh, he says, "And I pray that." you know, that you would be sanctified holy and that your whole, you know, spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless into the coming of the day of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter four and verse 12, it talks about how we have a soul and a spirit and the word of God, you know, is, is it just slices in between the soul and the spirit. And that part of us that has the most legitimate, authentic, real fellowship and immediate relationship with God when you're born again, it's our spirit man. And a flesh gets in the way. Our soul needs to be renewed, you know, according to the word of God. But our spirit is just united with God and wants that deep fellowship with him. The Bible says in John 4, 23 and 24, Jesus told this woman, this Samaritan woman at the well, he says that God is a spirit and, and, he, and God is actually seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we want to grow in that area. Imagine telling someone that, you know, hey, um, you're, you're married and, you know, the, you know, but you don't have to really talk to your spouse. You know, come on, man, you have to really talk to your wife. Hey, ladies, you don't really need to talk to your husbands. You ain't going to have much of a marriage if there's not real deep communication. And so the deeper your communication, the deeper that relationship grows. Uh, and I can't wait to get on a few weeks ahead. There's some things I just want to share with you that I think, again, that can encourage you. So here, let me give you some three simple truths. All right, it's going to be so simple tonight, so easy. Uh, and I remember I was in Bible school at In Christ International Bible School in Alexandria, Louisiana. I was 21 years old, and a man came into our class, uh, Del Gentry was his name, and he taught us and he gave us three three D's of prayer. And that's what I'm calling three simple truths. Some of you, it's possible that you've heard this before or you've heard a variation of it. I've never heard a variation, but I've heard a few people teach this. And he, the first I heard it was from Dale Gentry, and he may have heard it from somebody else as well. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And the three D's that he gave for prayer was desire, was, was number one, desire. Everything begins with desire. So I'm going to ask you tonight, do you want to grow in the area of prayer? You, you, want, to, you, know, you want to go deeper? Do you want to know him more? Do you want to become stronger in the area of prayer? It all begins with desire. That's the beginning of everything. Anything you want in life, it begins with desire. You may want a great relationship, and when that desire is strong enough, then that leads to the second D, which is discipline. And there are certain disciplines that are in place. So at first, it begins with the desire. Listen, there are people who might desire to not be broke all the time. And if you have a strong enough desire that eventually is so overwhelming, then you're willing to discipline yourselves so that you can get out of that cycle of being broke, out of debt. And then, and then as you follow these disciplines, then you will find yourself in the place of delight. So it's desire, discipline, and delight. And let me share with you how this worked in my life in a real simple way. And we'll close here in just a second. Again, this is a very, you might hear my, my dog barking, so forgive me. Um, so for me, desire began, I, 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 
the Word of God, of course, was the most preeminent thing in my life that just inspired me, that challenged me, that encouraged me. And, you know, I would read the book of Acts and think, oh my goodness, I want this also. And I would read the different places of prayer and it provoked me because to me it was like, I'm glad that we have the Word of God. We can learn about Him, the revealed Word of God. This is, you know, the mind of God for us. And, you know, what do you want to know about? Redemption, righteousness, forgiveness, healing, wholeness. It doesn't matter. It's all right here. And I can read and I can understand and I can grow. But prayer is this place where I can be intimate with God, where I can begin to pour my heart out, where I can travail, where we can open up our heart. And so there are a lot of people that have a very shallow relationship with God. They never communicate with him. They never talk with him. They never spend time with him. They never steal themselves away. And then crisis comes and there's the tyranny, the urgency, and God should have the best and the first part of our life. And so desire is where it begins. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to tell him that I love him. I want to tell him what he means to me. And, and I'm going to break some things down here uh, soon as well out of the Lord's Prayer that's kind of like a model to help you in the area of prayer as well. But it begins with desire. I remember I was very young in the Lord, a teenager, when I learned about this man named Leonard Ravenhill. And, and if anything just like lit that fire of desire in my heart, it's when I begin to hear these stories about this man, Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard had a reputation of praying anywhere between five and 15 hours a day. And this man was just a powerhouse in the area of prayer. I mean, he walked with God. And I heard a teaching that he shared when I was a very young going in the ministry also, where he said, any minister who doesn't spend at least two hours a day in prayer is not worth a plug nickel and will not be used in the coming move of God. So early on, I was like, I got to learn how to pray. And I mean, how do you spend that much time with God? But I would hear this and go, man, how, how do you say, I'm going to go and I just leave me alone. I'm just going to be with the Lord for, for the next few hours. It was, remember that Martin Luther said, there's so many things I have to do today that I must spend the first two hours in prayer. I remember learning about men like John Wesley, who would spend at least four to six hours a day in prayer. John Welch, who would pray six to eight hours, John Welch of Scotland, in the place of prayer. And I'm, I feel like there's these secrets, you know, these, these giants, these men and women of God who have gone before us, who they knew the Lord in a way that we don't, but yet God's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. And, and so I want, number one, I have a desire to pray because I want to know him. And because the ground is level at the foot of the cross, no human being has greater access to God than, than I do or that you do because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross, because of the resurrection. It's like he's opened up the banqueting table and says, I just want you to come and fellowship with me. I hear the heart of Jesus in John 37, where it says on the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out with a loud voice. I mean, he, he, he's preaching, he's just shouting. He cried out with a loud voice saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. He says, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He wept over the cities as he went through them. He wept over Bethsaida and Chorazon and and he began, as he's pronouncing judgment because someone greater was there and they still wouldn't repent and come to him. So he longs to have fellowship with us. He longs for us to walk with him. And so how about that desire? He has so much desire for us that that desire to, you know, uh, to bridge away and not just bridge away, but to provide redemption and righteousness to atone for our sins. I mean, he paid the ultimate price as a sacrifice on the cross. He became a sin offering 
that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And spiritually, he's opened up a door where we could be multi-billionaires spiritually that can far surpass spiritually anything that Elon Musk or Bill Gates could ever dream of or wish of or hope for in the spiritual realm. But yet in the spiritual realm, we live like paupers. I mean, come on, he's opened up to us everything, everything. Even in the place of prayer, we can open up the word of God and say, God, I just... Man, I mean, it's limitless. There are limitless places we can go in the place of prayer. Are you lonely? You can pray. Are you battling depression and discouragement? Do you have sickness in your body? Do you feel like the enemy's just throwing all kinds of attacks at your marriage or at your children or your finances? Guess what? You can come before him and you can pray and you can implore him and he will move on your behalf. But it begins with desire, and this is so important because I think today we just do church. We, we do Christianity, but it's lifeless. It's empty. There's no fire there. There's no heat there. We have the forms of ministry of the forms of Christianity, but we don't know him. That's why we live lukewarm lives and shallow lives sometimes and never move into just out past the outer parameters of the basics of Christianity and the churches of, uh, you know, of Revelation. Jesus starts with the church at Ephesus. And he says, you know, I know your, you know, I mean, he says, you know, I, I, I know your works. He told every church in Revelations, I, I know your works. And he says, you're doing all these things, but nevertheless, I have this against you that you have forsaken. This is Revelations chapter two. You have forsaken, you have neglected, abandoned, you've put aside your first love. And he's saying, listen, repent and do the first works. You know, I mean, how many people like, you know, you, you can have your marriage and, and you know, you, you do your work, you, you do your bills, you're raising the kids, but there's no fire in the kitchen. There's no love relationship between that, 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 that union, that couple. I know how many stories do you know about couples? They, they raise their kids and they grow apart and they never really knew each other and then they divorce. So they just live shallow lives, you know, but you know, in, in the same way, this happens sometimes, I think in our Christian walk, we just, we go through the motions of formulas, but we don't know him. We don't walk with him. And he desires for us to spend time with him. He wants us to come into there. He wants us to come to the throne room boldly. The throne room of grace where we can obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. God knows that on this earth, we're going to have trials and tribulations. He knows that we have the, the flesh, the, the world and the devil and everything is against us. And so he's like, hey, come here to me. Come hang out with me. Desire. Come on. Paul said this, he said, if I could just know him and the power of his resurrection, you know, and, and so we want to come to this place where, where, where this, that desire is so exciting. I, look, I, I don't want to just say, well, I'm clocked in two hours today. I would love to be at that place where I'm so hungry and desperate for him, so longing for him, for his fellowship, to know him, to walk with him. That, that time, you know, you just lose yourself in your time, you know, and remember when you're, you're first, maybe, you know, we're dating. How many of you remember? I remember when I was first dating, you know, Becky, we were going out and we we're like 20 years old and, and, and I call her and, or she'd call me and you just keep talking, talking, talking. You don't want to hang up. You know, I know many of you probably know the exact same thing. No, Hey, you hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. Huh? What? Jay something? I don't know. Did you, you know, you just hovering around there. Why? Cause you want to be with the person that you love. You want to be with the person you care about. Don't you want to be with the Lord? Don't you want to be able to fellowship with him and talk with him? You know, he may have some things that he wants to say to you. And I'm, I'm afraid that today in our Americanized Christianity, 
our, 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 we, we gauge our um, depth of what we have spiritually with our bankrupt theology, you know, that we think that God, you know, created this, this avenue and everything with Christianity and the cross and the resurrection so that we could understand theology, so we could better articulate and fight over what we think is our best doctrines. And, and, and like no different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes, the experts of religiosity, but yet they didn't realize and recognize that, hey, Jesus is in your midst right now. I know preachers get all caught up in all their theology. It's like they don't even like love people. They're just angry about fighting for what they think is right. It's fascinating. They didn't even, no one even had access to this for 400, 500 years in the early church, but they walked with God. <laughs> Come on. The scriptures were written, they were penned, but they weren't even, even canonized, weren't even put together. And they walk with the Lord, and yet we're fighting over things, and we don't know him, don't walk with him. Desire. Does that go on and on for that because it's so powerful? I love this. This is Leonard Ravenhill. Listen, his last prayer, I think he was 86 years old, and his last prayer, and he would write down his prayers, and he would write down a lot of his poems, and he, he prayed this at 2.30 in the morning. It was known that Leonard would sometimes... He would wake up and pray from 3 to 10 a.m. straight, just praying that, that my generation would know him and be able to walk with him and experience a genuine and authentic move of God. And one morning, he, he wrote this at 2.30 in the morning. And, and listen to this, this prayer from Leonard. And I, I memorized this when I was 20, I think 23 years old. And, and I have it right here in front of me. And it's just called Torch My Heart. And here's what he prayed. He said, Lord, engage my heart today with zeal that will not pass away. And I, I could just stop right there. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this, is that the kind of desire that I have? Lord, engage my heart today. Do you know what it means to engage? Come on, Lord, I'm, I want you to come rush in. God, come in here, Lord, engage my heart today. I'm coming before you early in the morning. And I'm saying, Lord, come on, you have permission to invade every part of who I am. Engage my heart today with zeal that will not pass away. I don't need anything for tomorrow, but God today, fill my cup up. I'm trusting you for everything I need. Fill up my cup. Engage my heart today with zeal that will not pass away. Unquenchable zeal. Now torch it with thy holy fire that nevermore shall Tom's desire. How many love for the Lord just to torch your heart with holy fire? That nevermore shall Tom's desire invade or quench the heaven-born power. I love this part right here. I would be trapped within thy holy will, thine every holy purpose to fulfill, that every effort of my life shall bring rapturous praise to my eternal king. Do you know why we're even here? Man, and when's the last time that we just had to let somebody know, I just gotta, I just gotta praise God for a minute because he's so awesome, he's so amazing. Do you know what he's done in my life? Do you know what he did in my life yesterday? Do you know how he touched my mind this morning? Do you know what he's done in my family? Guess what he did with my child over here? Do you know what he did over here in my, in, in my finances when I just didn't think we we're gonna make it? Look, God is able. Let me tell you what he's done in my body. Let me tell you this, when I was racked with pain and the enemy was coming in, how the Lord came in like a, a Russian mighty wave and he just, you know, shadowed out and just, washed over and just washed the enemy away and all of those doubts and fears and depression that even in my adversity, even in my frustration, even in my loneliness, even in my place of pain, God revealed his presence in a way that I can't even articulate and describe. He says here, 
I pledge from this day to the grave to be thine own unquestioning slave. And I love this. Here he is at 86 years old, 2.30 in the morning. He died when he was 87. But 2.30 in the morning, his last prayer he wrote down, he's saying, Lord, I pledge from this day to the grave to be thine own unquestioning slave. I am a love slave of Jesus Christ. How about you? I want to know him. I want to walk with him. Desire, desire. I hear stories about how people, they just pray and people are healed. And they never even call them. They don't go lay, lay hands on them. They just pray and seek after God and things begin to change. How many cities and countries and, 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 and seasons of life have you heard where the prayers of God's people stopped it? Oh my goodness. So desire. The next one is discipline. Discipline. I was not intending to take this long. Discipline. So desire is great. But you, desire alone will not bring you to the place of, desi- of delight alone will not bring you to the place of desire. I'm sorry, of delight. Let me say it one more time. Desire alone will not bring you to the place of delight. When desire is strong, it must also have discipline. So I, you can desire a great thing. Listen, Leonard could have desired that God would torch his heart today, but he had a discipline of getting up extremely early and sometimes staying up very late, as he as he did right here. He either woke up at, you know, two in the morning, or he just couldn't sleep, just so caught up thinking about the Lord. But at least to discipline, let me ask you this question. Do you have a time and a place that you pray? Let me make this extremely practical. Do you have a time and a place? Jesus went to a certain place and he prayed. What is your desire? You may need to get a journal, a little journal, get something that you can begin to just journal and say, hey, woke up this morning at five, woke up this morning at six, woke up this morning at eight, come on, woke up this morning at 8.30 and and dedicated my first 30 minutes to the Lord, uh, you know, my first hour to God, you know, just begin to journal and, and make a place. So carve out a place and say, I'm, uh, I love it. I think it was Corey Ten Boom who said, make an appointment with God and keep it. So say, hey, you know what? I'm going to set my alarm because I know what time I have to go to work, but I'm also going to set it earlier because I'm going to meet with the Lord before I do, because there's something I'm I'm yearning for, I'm longing for, I'm hungering for. So desire, discipline, discipline, remove distractions. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to have a disciplined prayer life and consistent over and over. We are a generation that we want things right now. We're a microwave generation. Give it to me now right now, and if I don't see results, then I quit. If I don't see results, then let it let up. You know what? You go to work. Why? Because you want a paycheck. You're going to work. You're going to put your hours in, and you can get paid. I promise you that if you stay in the place of prayer, and if you stay in the area of discipline, you will see results. You are absolutely going to see results. And I don't know about you, but listen, I, uh, I want to pray and have my prayers answered. I want to pray, and I want to know Him. So prayer is so, it's so massive. It just is so encompassing of so many things that we're really just scratching the surface, even in the series. So discipline. And if you will stay in the place of discipline, you know, it's like people say, I want to go work out, you know, and they, you know, try to do a crash diet and they can go do a keto and they can go do this, but they don't stay healthy and they, they just make exceptions, you know, and they just, uh, they're not consistent. You know, they go to the gym and they go all out that first week, get sore and go through all the pain. And then, you know, four or five weeks later, they'll go back again and get hurt again, all the pain. They're like, I'm going I'm to stay committed. And yet they don't, they fall off the train again. But consistency plus time 
yields great results. And it doesn't matter what area of life it's in, whether it's your physical body and diet, whether it's soul health, but in your spiritual being, your spiritual walk with the Lord, desire plus discipline, staying steady, staying consistent. I'm going to just say this. If there was somebody who touched the heavens, I'm talking prayed for three hours, and man, God did something so powerful. He revealed himself to them. Maybe they even had a divine visitation. And that was the only time they prayed in like three months. And maybe it's because there was such desperation they prayed. Who knows why they prayed, but yet God revealed himself in a certain way. And there's another person who for three months, they just got up every day and they opened up the word and they sat down or they walked or whatever. And they fellowshiped with God and they were consistent and they prayed. Look, just... 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, but every day, and they're walking with him. And if I need prayer, give me the person who's consistent. Give me that person who's disciplined. Give me that person who has that consistent daily walk with the Lord. I don't need a one-shot wonder. I want somebody who's walking with him and who has that discipline in their life. The Bible says God never sleeps nor slumbers. He is, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He loves us enough. He's not lazy at all. So we got to knock off that spiritual laziness and find the place of discipline. We'll talk more about that later. And then desire and discipline will lead to delight. Where there are times where you just step right into the presence of God, where you know him. I'll, I'll speak out of First John about, um, you know, children, young men and fathers here in the coming weeks as well. That, that, um, that thing will be really important. And uh, really, really good teaching right there. As far as, you know, the three phases of our spiritual walk. Anyway, hey, I hope you guys have gotten something out of this. Um, I've had a blast, you know, preaching this tonight. Um, I'm preaching out of my, this is a humble lamb Bible right here. It's a New King James, and it's got blue letters in it instead of red letters. Um, I'm considering doing some Bible reviews real soon. As you know, I have really, I, I just, I, I love to collect Bibles and it's, it's awesome. And I know there's a lot of people looking for a good Bible that they can use as their study Bible or to read from or do devotions from, and we may start doing that. Well, I'm going to go ahead and cut off this podcast, but I want to talk to you here in the factory for just a minute. So thank you all for joining me here. And Randy in real life, I hope you are enjoying these teachings.